If you have your Bibles, if you'd like to turn with me, I'm going to be preaching from 1 Corinthians 11. And if you look closely, you'll see that 1 Corinthians 11 is the passage of Scripture that I just shared with you guys. Let me go ahead and dismiss the kids and the teens. So kids and teens, y'all can be dismissed as your parents are looking up in their Bible app or in their scriptures themselves. Look that up and I will be there in just a minute in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Thank you for being a part of things already. And you'll see some folks going back here in just a little bit. Uh, We've got a few folks that have already signed up uh, to be a part of Giving Blood, and they are already starting that today. Thank you in advance. And if you have not signed up, here's the deal. We'll still take your blood. If you are willing to give it, we will still take you as a part of making the donations. I encourage you to do that. Each donation can save up to three lives, so be a part of that. Now, next week, we are starting a brand new teaching series, and I'm just going to have them put it up here. It is called Lionhearted, and it is about living beyond your fears. This is not just simply going to be something having to do with COVID and your fear of that kind of thing. It's very, very different. It is going to be about not letting or not allowing fear really control you. And I will tell you more next week, but if you'd like to be involved And maybe some of you have kind of felt, you know, I would really actually like to get back in the habit of reading or even listening to audiobooks. This is going to be based loosely on a book that is entitled In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. It is by Mark Batterson, which one of the weirdest titles you've ever heard. But come next week and I'll explain what the title means and why it is called that. But you can get that via Audible or wherever you'd like to get that um, on those things that you can buy through Amazon and all that. And you will be with us and going through that book together. It'll deepen your experience for sure. Now, I just got to tell you something. I am going to tell you about a story about something that happened to me yesterday, and the more that I got to thinking about it, the more I thought, it's at least a strong possibility that some of you will not believe that this actually happened to me. But I, as your pastor, whenever I'm standing behind the pulpit and up here on the stage and preaching, I am not going to lie to you. I will tease you and joke with you out there, but I am going to tell you a true statement, and I thought... As I thought about what I was going to share, I thought, you know what? It's a possibility some people might not believe that this is true. But yesterday, I had an entire group of people that were cheering and clapping for me and basically begging me to dance for them. Now, I just saw one of your faces and I take offense at it. I just want you to know and it's a good thing I wasn't looking at anybody else but you, Roseanne Smith. You, how in the world could you be that surprised? I know what you're thinking. You're like, this is the first he's saying it? Because this has happened to him surely before. The man's got the moves like Jagger. And I agree. I agree. I do. But I promise you today, this is actually true. This happened to me yesterday. A group of people sat there clapping and cheering and waiting for me to dance. Now, how many of y'all want the rest of the story? Because you know the rest of the story is coming. Okay, here's the deal. I was at a wedding, all right? I was at a wedding. It was very similar to this, except for not at all. Uh, I was not wearing a robe. That will never, ever happen. Um, So I was at a wedding, and 
I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but when the people go down from the wedding, you know, the, the bride's, uh, the, the best man and the maid of honor, they come and they meet in the middle and then they leave, you know, when they're coming up, it's very, you know, very monotone, very slow, but when they leave, sometimes they get to dancing a little bit, you know, and that kind of thing. And so I was performing a wedding ceremony yesterday for some people here at this church Damien Grant and Renee Frader, I performed their wedding yesterday, and next time they are here, I'm going to embarrass them, we're going to give them a cheer, we're going to let them know we're excited about that. But as each person left, they danced a little bit, and I I just kind of watched, and it all happened, and each person just kind of left, and then I stepped out from behind the, the podium there, and everybody was looking at me like, are you about to go next? And so I went, like that, you know, like I'm, I'm about to. And then I had a little thing going on in my head. It's like this. It was a lot like this. I don't know if you guys can understand what I'm saying, but the angel on one side and the devil on the other. And the devil said, give it to them, Randy. Give it to them. They are asking for it. They're cheering for it. They want you to dance. And I, I, I'm not going to lie. I looked a lot like that except for a little dumber and probably a lot less buff, but it was very similar. And the angel on my shoulder sounded a lot like my wife, Shelly. When I would dance at home and give her a little taste of it, you know, she'd be like, no, no, no. And I'd be like, are you sure? She's like, no, I'm definitely sure, no. And so the angel on my shoulder, which often happens, sounded a lot like my wife saying, don't you dare do that in private. (laughs) So as the angel on my shoulder and the devil on my shoulder started talking to me, I thought, you know, I probably ought not. So I just said, I just wanted you guys to know that you're dismissed. Everybody got up and left and everybody left. I left with at least a few shreds of my dignity still intact. Here's the deal. I left that, and it was just such a good time. It was so much fun. It was all this interaction. It was, it was a beautiful wedding. It was just the perfect size. I won't tell you how many because some of you had bigger, some of you had smaller. It just felt like it was the perfect time that you got together and enjoyed it. And so we got done, and I thought to myself, what an awesome thing. You just get together, and you, you see people you haven't seen, and you reconnect, and all of these different things. It was awesome. And then I thought to myself, how many people have gotten married over the last few months with the pandemic going on that they just got married and there were maybe five or 10 or 20 people and not anymore? And I thought, you know, it's sad. They they missed out on something that was absolutely kind of one of those milestone moments. You guys understand what I'm saying? Yeah, you guys understand. And then I could not help but think, how much worse it is, and this is the saddest part, is I, I, I know from my own personal group of people that passed, this man did not pass of COVID, but passed during the time of COVID. He was a guy who I believe probably would have had 1,000 or 1,500 people at his funeral. He had it in the dead of winter when he passed, and there was actually a, a snowstorm going on in Oklahoma And uh, it had been under freezing for, I don't know, 15 or 16 days straight. And they finally honored him because they just couldn't wait any longer. And there was only just a handful, about 100 or 200 people, a few people on Zoom, but it's just very different, right? And so I thought to myself, 
It's almost a tragedy that Dr. Thomas Marbury, who has influenced hundreds and thousands of people there at Randall University, myself very much included, and I considered him a friend, he, he passed and they had this funeral where there were probably a fraction of the people that would have been there. And maybe some of you guys know about the things that have happened in maybe some of the lives that you know about where people have not really had the opportunity to be honored because people just couldn't gather. You guys have all experienced that or heard about something like that. You know, here's the thing. I just want to share with you, we are built, designed by God to be together. We are built and designed by God to be together. And it's a funny thing if you begin to read the creation account in Genesis and God created this, he separated the light from the dark, and he declared it to be good. And then he made animals, and he declared it to be good. And then he made fish and all the things in the sea, and he declared it to be good. And he divided land and sea, and he declared it to be good. And you know that he finally said it is not good. The one thing that he said that it is not good is he said it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good for mankind to spend this life by themselves. And so I don't know if you've really stopped to think about this, and I want to just kind of make sure that you grasp it. You guys do know that when you're a really, really, really bad person and citizen, that you get your freedom taken away. That you go to jail and you don't have the opportunity to live your life the way that you choose. You have to be incarcerated and left there in jail. But even further than that, they have something that even goes deeper, and they call it solitary confinement. The people who have already been separated from the population at large are going to be separated from the population in the prison, and they're literally going to be punished. There's a back and forth for the length of time that solitary confinement becomes torture. Some say 15 days, some say 30 I'm not here to get into that debate like I even know, but here is the truth. For most of us, we don't grasp it, but we have been kind of in some ways pushed into some, at least some element of solitary confinement over the last few months. Just things are different. Now, one of the things that my wife loves to do is people watch. Do any of y'all love to people watch? Can I? No, go ahead. Don't just sit there and laugh and smile and go, yep, I do. Go ahead. Raise your hand. Any of y'all love to people watch? Man, people are weird, right? I mean, you love to get a good kick out of them. All right. So here's the truth. People watching isn't even the same, right? Because there's just not as many people. People aren't acting the same way that they always did. It's just different. And our world is very, very different. Now, I just want to be very, very clear about something, and, and I want to make sure that you understand where I'm coming from. By the tone of the message, maybe you can grasp and understand that I am not coming down on folks. I'm not here to be harsh or mean or mean-spirited in any way. I'm not here to tell you how to deal with the pandemic. I'm just not. Because the truth of the matter is, is that Anything that I say in that vein is probably not necessarily going to apply to all. So the things that I'm going to share are going to apply to us all. And they're not meant or intended for you to feel like in some way I'm coming at you or coming after you. 
What you do need to understand is, is that if you don't grasp some of these truths about how we're designed, you could get washed in a flood of emotions, frustrations, difficulties, and even sink into a depression because you're dealing with stuff that we've just never had to deal before. And now, let me just be very clear. Could I have preached this message uh, a year ago? Yeah, (laughs) I kind of did. I kind of have done that over the next few or over the last few months or so. But the truth is, is that, man, we're dealing with it again, right? I mean, they're starting to talk about maybe other forced lockdowns. They're talking about more mask mandates and stuff like that. And I'm not getting into the political side. I'm not doing that. But just to be clear, I don't know about you, but when I hear that the CDC rules in a new way, that kind of felt like we were going out of this thing and then we kind of get sucked back in, I can't help my heart from feeling a little like, man, not again. Can I get an amen? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, okay. All right, so I want to share these things with you, not to beat you up but to hopefully give you encouragement and maybe give you some steps to take that lead you away from the way that things have been and maybe challenge you to be a little bit more proactive about being involved in other people's lives and letting them be involved in your life, whatever that looks like, okay? You guys all with me? Can y'all give me an amen on that as well? Amen? Okay, very good. So off we go, and here's what I'm gonna tell you. The mental health that is going on in today's world. They've even talked about this from the National Institute of Mental Health. And this is the director's message. I'm gonna read this to you. Several surveys, including those collected by the Centers for Disease Control, have shown substantial increases in self-reported behavioral health symptoms. According to one CDC report, surveyed adults across the U.S. in late June of 2020, 31% of respondents reported symptoms of anxiety or depression. 13% reported having started or increased substance use. 26% reported stress-related symptoms. 11% reported having serious thoughts of suicide in the past 30 days. These numbers are nearly double the rate that we would have expected before the pandemic. This is no joke. This is not something that I'm making up. This isn't just, I feel this way. This is a clear survey from the National Institute of Mental Health, which if you look on this website, it ends in .gov. It's not just some website. It is .gov. And so that is the thing. It's from our government. Here's what I want to share with you. I think for most of us, we have begun to live our lives and even our Christian lives in some way as if We are a one-man team, that we are a one-man team. And I want to just say this with as much grace and, and delicacy as I possibly can. You have to look out for you, but you also have to police you. Do you guys understand what I mean by policing yourself? Because the truth of the matter is, is that we can use some things to be maybe a little less connected because it's not as easy to be connected, but it's also never nearly as fulfilling I mean, I talked about this at the very beginning about those things having to do with the weddings or, or the funerals or any of those. These are big events, but even in the smaller ones, sometimes if we forget and think of ourselves as a one-man team, like, you know, you can kind of see, I use these sporting analogies all the time, but, you know, this one-man team, 
you know, this person out there. But here is the truth. Even in baseball, you are alone when you're at bat, but you cannot cover the entire field. And even if you're the greatest pitcher, Justin Verlander's pretty good, by the way. Even if you're the greatest pitcher, you are still throwing to someone who is called the catcher, right? So you can't do it on your own. It just does not happen. And some of you are like, oh yeah, Randy, what about the sport of golf? I'm here to tell you that golf is not a sport. Change my mind. It is not. It is not a sport. If you can do something with a cigar in your mouth and a beer in your hand, it's not a sport. It's a game, but it's not a sport. Change my mind. You can't do it. I'm telling you. All right. So sorry, golfers. It's a cool game, not a sport. Here's the truth. Yes, that is truth. And you need to understand that. Okay. Here is some more truth for you. There's some things that we can learn from the thing that we did a little earlier, we celebrated communion. I talked with you and I reminded you that people have been doing this for, you know, year after year, after century, after millennia. That means for more than 2,000 years, we have been celebrating, well, right at about 2,000 years, we've been celebrating the Lord's Supper and reminding ourselves. But also, as good as it is for us to connect to God, you know what else we're doing? We're connecting to all of those who have been hopeful that God would return and put an end to the injustice of this world. And they have not received that. But man, we're getting closer and closer and closer all the time. And the time will eventually come where God will say, enough of this world and its rules and its decisions, and now it is my turn to rule the kingdom that I created. And when that happens, everything will change. But until that day, we recall not only what he did, but we recall that we are connected to those who are faithful to give us the word of God all throughout the millennia before us. We are connected to the church universal. Not the church in a single location, but the church universal. And that is a big, big deal. Very quickly, let me share with you from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to begin reading in verse 17. And I'm going to read all the way down to about verse 34. So i got about 17 verses. And I want you to listen closely as I read and see if you recognize some of this passage of Scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. It says in the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings are doing more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it, and that is so good to know that there were divisions among the church, and it's not just simply a 2019, 2020, 2021 thing. I mean, it's been happening for centuries and millennia. No doubt there have to be some differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. This is Paul making a joke. He's like, surely, you know, yeah, absolutely. Show that you're different so you can be more approved by God, whatever. So then when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you're eating. Because when some of you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private supper. And as a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What am I going to say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. 
Verse 23, for what I received from the Lord, I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are sick and weak, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if there were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we wouldn't come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further instructions. Very quickly, here's what is going on. Oh, our scripture declaration. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Here's what we learn. And I, I've been just kind of sharing this. Uh, the, the king, I, I can't help but the king claims his crown is still something that I always remember whenever we celebrate communion, uh, a message series that I've taught from earlier in the year. Here's a couple of things to learn. Paul goes out of his way to declare to the Corinthians that Christ himself gave directly to Paul the significant and the spirit of the Lord's Supper. He said, for I received from the Lord and I also passed it on to you. Let's be very, very clear. Do you remember that Paul was not there on the night that Jesus gathered his disciples, right? Because Paul became a disciple much later. He became a disciple when God appeared to him on the Damascus road. You guys with me? And so whenever Paul says, I received something directly from the Lord and I'm passing it directly on to you. He's making sure that they get this and grasp that this was so important that God made sure that in some divine revelation that he gave to Paul, he gave him this thing about the Lord's Supper and how important it is. Now, why would he do that? Why would he when he's only going to reveal himself in a divine revelation in so many ways and so many different times, why would he take time to talk about the Lord's Supper? I mean, that just seems like it's not very important, but yet the fact that he did so reminds us that it is incredibly important. And so he says, let me talk to you guys. Let me ask you guys, all of you, first, all of you Corinthian believers in this first century church, what's going on? You're saying that you're getting together and that you as Christians are bonding together and celebrating the Lord, but that's not at all what's happening. What's actually happening is you're having a party and then you're literally having it in the church and some of you are participating and some of you are getting left out and you turn around and look at them and go, well, they'll be all right. And then you keep going on with this party that you've got privately happening and occurring. Now, can you imagine that? Now, just think for a minute. 
if I came today and I said, we're here to celebrate the Lord's Supper, but you know, those of you who are on the right-hand side, I'm not going to give you all anything, but we are going to celebrate and we're going to reconnect with the Lord because it's all about Jesus. I mean, how twisted is that, right? How weird is that for us to put God's label on some sort of segregation between God's family members? It's just weird and wrong in every way. And Paul wasn't going to let it happen and go, well, maybe they'll figure it out. He called it out in them and he said, how dare you act like you're doing the Lord's Supper? You're doing more harm than good. He's very clear about what God's symbolism was, but he's also very clear that whenever we do this, it is supposed to bring us not only closer to God, but it had better be bringing us closer together. And here is the problem for most of us in our modern Christianity. We don't think about others. We're here to receive a blessing. We're here to be blessed. We're here to reconnect with God. And whatever's going on for them is not my business, and I don't care, and I don't really worry about that because I'm here to receive a blessing. This is not at all the spirit in which the communion element was ever given. God gives it to us so that we can be reunited and connected. And if we're not being reunited and reconnected, we're missing at least half of what God is trying to do. Very quickly, let's go to this next something to learn. The Corinthian church was a group of believers practicing the Lord's Supper, also known as communion, with no real concern for Jesus' intent to unify his believers and his followers. And if we are not doing that, if we are continuing that tradition, we are showing the same level of spiritual immaturity that the Corinthian church had. And we got to be very careful to call it out and say, Lord, help me to grow and help me to deepen and be more like what you want to see, not the way that I want to act. Very quickly, let's go to this big idea, and I'm going to be moving quickly uh, here. We're going to finish up, but let me just share with you, biblical Christianity is not a private religion. It never has been, and it never will be. It is not for you and for me, and just to keep it to ourselves, it is not a private religion. It is practiced together, always has been, always will be. Biblical Christianity is different than what most people label as Christian it is the thing that the Bible teaches, and so it is important that we grasp and understand that. But biblical Christianity is not a private religion. It never has been, and it never will be. Very quickly, I want to talk about some of the things that, that Christ left us. Let's begin in Luke chapter 22. Let's go to Luke chapter 22. They left and they found these things just as Jesus had told them. So when they prepared the Passover, the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover. What's the next few lines? With you. I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. That's important. <laughs> Jesus is literally at his last supper, and he says to them, I'm glad I am here with you. Now, that's really significant. If you cannot say, I'm glad I'm here with God's people, you're missing a big part of what God gave us. If you haven't grasped that it is about family and it is about the spiritual connection to God and to his children, this reminds us, this is what God left us. Let's go to this next slide very quickly. It shows us the power of a shared history and experience. Do you guys realize how, how rare this is getting? I want to go to this next slide. 
He took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and gave it to them and said, this body is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The, the remembrance here is all about Jesus. And the experience is one that they would never forget. They would remember the sights, the smells. They would remember the tears. They would remember him washing their feet. They would remember everything. And it would be something that would stay with them forever. And they would celebrate it and then re-celebrate it and recall it and remember it. And it was something powerful that changed their life. Now, very quickly, let's go to this next slide. And let's check this out. How many of you in here ever owned a TV that looked like this? Be honest. Did y'all ever own a TV like this? How many of you in here or maybe on the chat today could say, I literally have touched a pair of rabbit ears. I know what those are. I get it. I understand. Do you, some of y'all maybe, well, mo most of my young kids, they were back in the back, but rabbit ears were a type of antenna. And you literally could go over, and if you'd hold one, just perfect, don't, no, no, don't move, don't move, that's just right. And then you'd let go, and then, then the thing would get fuzzy and gray again. No, no, touch it again. Okay, right there, hold it right there. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Isn't it funny? Do, do any of you guys remember certain TV shows at certain times of the day and the week? I remember Tuesdays at 9 p.m., I used to watch a show called Heart to Heart on ABC. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Stephanie Powers was a beautiful woman. So that's the only reason I watched. I'm still a tough guy, all right? Do, do any of y'all remember that? Do any of you guys remember MASH at 1035, the minute after the TV news got done, it was time to watch MASH. Do any of y'all remember that? Do y'all realize that ain't a thing no more? That ain't a thing no more. People are like, hey, did you watch the latest episode of whatever? And they're don't tell me. I'm binging it starting next week. And so you don't have this shared experience. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? So if you wonder part of why our world seems fragmented, some of the stuff that used to bring us back together, man, is not the same. How many of you in here have serious XM or some sort of satellite radio. Can I see your hands? It's uh, no judgment here. I'm just asking a couple of you. How many of you stream from Spotify? Can I see some of your hands? That's a younger thing. I get it. My kids have literally never listened to a radio station. I don't think they're 25 and younger. Do you remember there used to be like one good station in your entire I, I grew up in Oklahoma City. If there was like two stations that were worth listening to, one was on number three, one was on number five, because it was kind of in that area of, y'all know what I'm talking about. All of this shared experience, because you heard that song on the same radio station that I heard that song, and you watched that show at the same time I watched that show, and you didn't even know what a DVR or a VCR was. All of this shared experience that brought us closer, that's not a thing anymore. And our world is more fragmented than it's ever been, partially because we don't have that same shared experience. Whenever we do this, even if you were a follower at 60 AD or 2021, you were doing the same thing. You were recalling his body, his blood. There's something powerful about that. It gives me chills just to say it. And I think about it and I'm reminded, I'm humbled that this is a thing for everybody. It's for all of us. It is for us. And he said, no matter what, do it in remembrance of me. 
This is powerful. So we share this. This is why our religion, biblical Christianity, is not something that is individual, never has been, never will be. He said, I wanted to celebrate this supper with you guys before I go and lay my life down on the cross. I wanted to be together. I didn't know that I had tough stuff coming, so I wanted to be alone so I could collect my thoughts. Jesus said, I've been anxiously looking forward to spending this evening with you before I lay my life down for you. There's something that we've missed in our modern world about that kind of dependence and that kind of connection. And it, unfortunately, can't help but ripple out into our Christianity. Just can't. Because it's never been about just us. All right, let's go to this next slide very quickly. Uh, Let's go to this next slide. Why people are so horribly rude online, right? I I looked at this and I was like, oh, I'm going to put this up. I'm going to take a screenshot. And how many of you guys have noticed that there are people that are rude online. Have any of y'all ever noticed that? Just one or two, right? Just one or two hundred on one comment section, right? And isn't it interesting? Look closely. Published seven years ago, December 2nd, 2014. Oh, bro, you have not seen anything yet. Am I right? I mean, that's 2014. Why are people so horribly rude? What would you call them today? <laughs> I mean, it is so much worse today than it was then. Why? Because you are you and I am me and we don't connect. We don't share experience. We don't share space. We don't share any of these things. And so I don't care about you because who are you after all anyway? Never mind that some of these people that are on one side or the other probably call themselves Christians. If you haven't figured out that the way that you treat God's children really affects him, then you probably don't have kids. (laughs) Because the way that you treat my kids, I, I will let you treat me worse then you get to treat my children. Can I get an amen from the mama bears in the house, right? Amen? What about the dads? It's like, yeah, them's fighting words. Why? Because you can treat me bad, but don't treat my kids that way. So what is going on when we treat God's children that way? We've got to put a priority on them the way that he did. We've got to give them a premium of our time and our space and our feelings and emotions, and we've got to make time to connect and can I just be honest? I, I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time because I don't want to keep you all long. Um, here's the deal. The truth of the matter is, is that everything in our world is pushing us away from each other and pushing us away from God. And the more that we allow that to happen, if we're not aware and we're not policing it and we're not going in a different direction on purpose, we will find ourselves looking around and going, I'm isolated. I'm alone. I don't feel like I'm doing anything of value. I'm making a life and I'm making a living, but it's not really feeling the way that it should. And yeah, all the bills are getting met, but it just does not feel that there's any more meaning than just that. And if that's true, you and I have probably not been aware enough to step in and go, hold on just a second. It's harder than ever to stay connected in a real way. 
And I have not put forth the effort to say, I will do whatever it takes. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not prescribing what you need to do because truth be told, I can't tell each and every one of you individuals what to do, but I will tell you, you better be doing something or you're gonna get carried along with the current that takes you in the wrong way. I could keep going, but I think if you guys will just kind of give me one of these, yep, y'all understand what I'm saying? It's on you. It, it, I, I know it, it would be easier if I said what you had to do and what you have to do, but I can't. It's too varied. It's too different. Some of you, I, I can't do that. But most of us have not stopped long enough to go, mm. standing still has gotten me into a place of solitary isolation and, and, and I'm in a place where things are more difficult than ever before to feel connected. I, I, I'm going to jump all the way down to the very end of my message. And let me just share with you, Scott, if you don't mind, thank you so much. Jump down to slide number 29, the one where Christ has left us and what he has left us. He left us the power of a shared experience, the importance of unity in his family when he said, this, by this, all men will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And then the connectivity of service as he was celebrating communion, as he was pulling them into this never forget it experience, what did he do? He took off his outer garment, put a towel around him, poured water in a basin and washed every one of their feet, including Judas's. What did he do? He showed us that real love, real connection, real communion gets involved in other people's lives, doesn't just simply wait. So it's all of these things. And let me, let me ask you, just do me this favor. Point out one thing on this list that hasn't been adversely affected in the last 16, 18 months of COVID and all this stuff. Look at it, just look at it. Power of shared history and experience, mm -mm, no, different. What about the importance of unity in his family? <laughs> no, no. Unfortunately, no. Many of us are more quick to de describe ourselves as Republicans or Democrats than we would as biblical Christians. That's a problem. That's a problem. What about the connectivity of service? No, because we're so worried about things that we're not serving anybody. We haven't gone and found something that works to serve. This is what he left us when he left us this. And this is what our world is struggling to find. Are you guys with me? Y'all understand what I'm saying? So here is the warning, and here is the important thing for us to remember. If this is all going in the wrong direction by simply standing still, we gotta get moving. We gotta get moving. Because it's pulling us in a direction that we don't want to be. Now, it's so slow and so subtle that day by day you are drifting. I am drifting. We have to make a decision and say, I'm going to police this and not let it get out of hand. All right, very quickly, and I do want to mention this. Go to this next slide if you don't mind. Everything our world is designed to motivate and monetize, and unfortunately, anger motivates more than love and kindness, at least in the moment. So we have to overcome evil with good. We have to overcome evil with good, and it is not easy. It is very difficult, but we have to try. We have to do it. Let's go to this very next slide. What Christ has left us is all three of those things, but he also left us this, the power for his people to affect change. The 12 men minus one makes 11. So Jesus and his 11 disciples that were left, 
literally change the entire world with his message and turn the world upside down in a matter of years. How is that possible? Because of the power of Christ. So what am I saying to you? Here's what I'm saying. Don't pretend that it can't be done in your home. Don't pretend it can't be done in your circle of influence. Don't pretend it can't be done in our community. We can make a difference and an impact, and we can change things if we really want to see them change. But we have to say it's not just about a piece of bread, a drink of cup. That's not it. It is, you know what? This is my identity. This is who I am. This is what I'm all about. I'm a God saved, forgiven Christian because he washed me clean. And so because of that, I'm not satisfied to just simply drift through life. And it's not just about me. It's not just about me and mine. It is about us and all of us being involved in making a difference in our world. Very quickly, how do you apply this message? I would encourage you to choose someone from EHC to reconnect with this week. Choose someone because there's probably somebody that's drifted and maybe you know they've been on your heart and you need to reach out to them. Just do that. Now, don't, don't let there be a problem because I probably have their number and probably you've got mine, right? And so you reach out to me if you need a number, I probably got it. And so if you want to touch base with somebody, and you may not even know their full name, and you want to describe them to me, you know, they look like this, and they sit over here, and they have some kids, and this is what, you know, we could probably figure it out. And you probably have some people that you know that you'd like to reconnect with. Do that this week, because until we start doing that, until we kind of stop the flow from taking us downriver, we probably will not see any kind of change in others as well as ourselves. So it is so important that we do that. This is how you apply this message. I want to share a very quick story as we end, and then we'll sing a song and be dismissed. But here's what I want to share with you. I feel really bad, and I do not in any way, shape, or form want to make this any kind of manipulation because that's not what this is. But maybe you are a person who knows someone who passed from COVID. I knew somebody, I've known a few, I've known a handful of people that have passed because they contracted COVID and it took them. And I feel really, really bad about the first person that passed because I don't know if you guys have noticed it, but it, it's different now. There are a lot of ways that we understand to combat that that we did not know in the first few weeks. You guys understand what I'm saying? In the first few weeks, it was just scrambling. We had no idea how to handle it, how to treat people, what it was going to do to people. And my friend who was older, very close friend of ours, it's their mom, she passed. Now, she was a believer, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, she's in the presence of the Lord and at peace and at rest. So... I am grateful for that. But I think about her. And I don't know if you remember at the very beginning of COVID, when all of this stuff was happening, they wouldn't let anybody come to a hospital room. You guys remember? They wouldn't let anybody come to a hospital room. And so the doctor that gave her the tests, my friend Pat, she's probably in her mid-70s, late 70s, had heart problems, you know, the pre-existing conditions, all that stuff that's so typical. She was given the choice, and I asked her, and they simply said to her, what do you want to do? If you would like to, we can treat you and admit you into the hospital. 
but we're not sure how it will go. But I want you to know that you will be, y'all know what the next word is? You'll be alone. Or you can go home and you can be surrounded by your family and your friends. They can come and see you. They may be at risk, but we don't really know. But we can't risk that here at the hospital. So if you choose to be admitted, we'll do all we can. But you can also just know that you will be alone. Pat chose to go home rather than face her final days alone. And she passed, and I'm not trying to exploit that. I am touched by that because it reminds me how powerful it is to have the people in your life that you have in your life. And that sometimes we forget in the rush and the hustle of all that we face that the most important thing in life is not a thing at all. It is the people that you share it with. And God has created us for community. That's why we're desperate for it. That's why we are dealing with mental dis-ease whenever we are not together in the way that we used to be. It's so important for us to grasp and understand biblical Christianity and biblical Christians were never meant to do this thing solitary and alone. It never has and never will be God's intention. But instead, we're meant to be together. Be together. Be together with those that you love and those that you know. Reach out to those and reconnect. I encourage you this week. Heavenly Father, use this, your word, and use this, your example, to remind us of the power of being together in relationship, not only with you, our God, and our maker, but those that you have made and created in your image. Be with us, Lord, we pray, and may you receive all glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray.